four coaching types. And the question is, what type are you? Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Well, welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hi, Rory. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Paul. It's great to be here to talk about coaching again, my friend. Okay, you're going to tell us about four different types. Exactly. There was a fascinating article in the Harvard Business Review of May and June of 2018, and they actually highlighted the four types of coaching types, and I just thought it was absolutely fascinating and thought our listeners would love to hear four types, what type are they, and then actually how much time managers actually spend coaching their employees. We have the analogy or we have the thought that more is better. The Really, their study found out differently on that, an important kind of survey to see what is better. Be- before we get into that, just a reminder to everybody that you focus on coaching because your experience and your over 25 years of working with companies have found that when you develop coaches, you make a better culture and you make better results. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. When your managers know how to coach effectively, and I would say about 80% of people out there in the world don't, or 80% of managers don't, or have never been introduced to the idea or the concept, but once they do, it really makes a huge impact on the influence that they have in their organization, how they rise in the organization, their career trajectory, and also the impact they make with their employees and the legacy they leave. They end up You know, you see in the NFL, they always talk about the coaching tree of the great coaches. Right. The great coaches not only won and and had effective teams, but they also developed great coaches. And I think that's one of the legacies I want to see people do that listen to this podcast and are out there working with folks. What kind of legacy can you create because you learn how to coach more effectively and have a greater impact with the team members that you work with? So you're going to walk us through four. I know there's, I know two off the top of my head. One is good <laughs> coaches who listen to this podcast. There you go. And the other is not as good because they don't listen. But I they, don't think they're that's not as good, good as they don't listen, right? right. Or, you know, they're not sharpening their skills. So we're not going to talk about oh, those two types okay. today. We okay. know they exist. Right. Um, but we're going to talk a little about the Gartner Group, G A R T N E R, actually did a survey of over 73 hundred employees and managers across a variety of industries. They also follow up with a hundred surveys or interviews of a hundred HR executives and over, and then another 225 they surveyed and they're focused. What are the best managers doing to develop employees in today's busy working environment? And we all know that we're pressed and we're timed, particularly in this time of COVID truly challenged. And what they did is they took 90 variables from their research, kind of encoded them and kind of looked and say, okay, what, pops out. Mm -hmm. And what they found is basically four coaching types. Okay. So the first one is the teacher manager. And that coach coaches employees on the basis of their knowledge and experience, providing advice-oriented feedback and personally directed development. They more have an expertise from their technical fields and have spent years as individual contributors in that field. And then they went into their managerial role. So they would, you know, they would have that teacher approach. Hey, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. You know, that's pretty effective. One method of the four. So you've got the teacher approach. Is that pretty typical when it comes to coaches or leaders that were promoted within, meaning they were just doing the same job and then they just got in charge of the group? I think that's the problem. That would be interesting to see. And they don't have from the, the survey here. But I think managers change over time. And it'd be interesting okay. to see where they're at on their career path as managers. Because I think, you know, people start out as a teacher 
Yeah. But they really recognize the power of asking questions over time and they change to a connector or relator type of manager, helping people develop their skills through asking questions. So I think that's a great question. It'd be yeah. really interesting to see the data broken down that way, how long they've been in it. But I think that's the first thing that managers do because they get promoted. Mm-hmm. They rarely have been given leadership training. They've right. not been taught how to coach. And so, ta-da, they're here. And it's like, okay, I'll just tell them how I do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's the that's the biggest one. And then the second method is the always-on manager. They're providing continual coaching. They stay on top of employees. And they give feedback across a range of skills. Their behaviors closely align with what the HR professionals typically idealize and say, we'd always like managers to do these. These managers appear to be most dedicated to the four types of upgraded employee skills, and they treat it as a daily part of their job. And and we would truly want coaching to be a daily part of people's job. What I tell managers is I want them to reset and rewire their leadership language from being a model of telling people what to do but a model of asking people what to do. That's the key. That's the success point is when we really change it from, hey, you need to do this, this, and this to saying, hey, we've got to do this, but what are your thoughts? What do you think we should do? How should we do it? And then that's when you become a truly great manager in my perspective. And those are, you can find that out through questions. And we've done a lot of podcasts about that skill set. Absolutely. Ask those questions, connect that way. And then the next one is the connector manager. They give targeted feedback in their areas of expertise. Otherwise, they connect to employees with other members of the team in the organization who are better suited to that task. They give targeted feedback, but they look at, okay, who can I connect this person with that can help them improve their skill set that's a more of an expert than I am in that area? And they spend more time than the other three types assessing the skills the interest and the needs of the employees, and they recognize that many skills are best taught by people other than themselves. Mm. And so the connector actually kind of puts their ego aside and connects with that employee. And they then find connectors, uh, other people who can help them improve their skill set. So I think it's a really interesting approach to being a coach. Yeah. And that uh, is, and you've talked about this quite a bit. Sounds like that uh, coach isn't interested in being the, uh, best at whatever function they're coaching someone to do. They're not right. falling in that trap. Exactly. I think it refers to Ryan Holiday's book where he talks about uh, ego is the enemy. And clearly the connector puts their ego aside and, and allows other people in the team to play a role of helping people learn. And I just think that's a really critical factor to being a successful manager and a successful coach is putting your ego aside so you can let people work on those skills that they can get better at. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is the leader slash manager. They have a take or they take a hands-off approach, delivering positive feedback and putting employees to charge of their own development. They're available, supportive, but they aren't as proactive as other types of managers when it comes to developing employees. I think that's an interesting one. They're kind of they're a cheerleader, but you, I know you can do it. I, you've got the skills, you've got the ability, you can go out there and get it. I think you need to learn how to do this better, learn to do that better, but I know you can do it. And I suspect that's kind of the conversation goes with that kind of manager. Right. And so that's, I think that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. And so I bet you're, go ahead, Paul. No, it sounds like a positive thing, but if that's all you're getting, then that doesn't really help you develop. Right. I mean, you know, when you go to 
seminar or you go to a presentation and it's just rah, rah, you know, that's nice. It's good to get geeked up and yeah, let's go after it again. But it's really great when somebody says this is a technique to be more influential. This is how you're going to have more impact. So if you learn to coach more effectively, not only can you increase the morale of the organization, but you can also have greater influence and greater impact. That's a much better presentation to attend at a seminar than one that says, I know, I believe in you. You can go get them, go get them, partner. You're out. Let's do some cheers and let's rock the place. You know, I think there's a place for motivational speaking. I've done it. I like it. But what I've discovered is people really want to know, how do I do this? Not just charge me up, but how do I do this? How do I coach more effectively? How do I make a connection? How do I engage? And how do I change people's future? So actually, all all four of these types have some positives about them. Oh, absolutely. But there are some negative effects as well. There are. And before we went into that, I was just going to okay. basically give people a breakdown because they probably think, okay, out of those four categories is one 36% of the time and one 12% of the time. And what they really found is that the four types are more or less evenly distributed Interesting. Uh, within organizations, regardless of industry. So they're all around 25%. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of a tweak. Cheerleaders account for about 29% of managers and teachers account for about 22%. The other two uh, are equally in the middle. And I think that's an important question with coaching. Which one are you? And then how prominent it is out there in the workplace of what type of managers out there. Right. Okay. So, and the percentage is based on the observation of how they handled their job as a leader, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. What category they fell into of those four categories, you've got the teacher manager, you've got the always on manager, you've got the connector, you've got the cheerleader. They're all about equally distributed about 25% of the time with just a little bit more cheerleaders accounting for 29%, teachers accounting for 22%. So obviously the connector and the connector, and then what is it? The always on manager are probably right there in the middle around 25%, probably negligible with regards to what percentage they are. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then the, the interesting question is, you know, how much time people spend developing their employees. And I thought this was really interesting. HR professionals would love people to spend about 36% of their time developing a subordinates. But the survey showed and I can almost hear Richard Dawson, which shows my age, <laughs> but Richard Dawson saying, and survey says uh, most managers only spend about 9% of their time. Oh, my. Actually developing people. And so, yeah, you think, oh my gosh, you know, 9%, that's unrealistic. That's, that's not as good as you should be. But the study also found something really powerful. And that is not only, uh, it doesn't matter on the time, it matters really, are you doing the quality over uh, the quantity? Okay. And I just think that's a really important factor. And uh, next week, we're going to have Jerry Connor on the podcast. And he actually, with his research of coaching, found the same thing to be true. He wrote a book called The Four Greatest Coaching Conversations. And I interviewed him while he was in Sydney, Australia. So you'll hear his great Southern accent from Sydney, Australia, much Southern than even Uh Florida or Texas or Georgia. So he's got a really, really uh, south of the equator way he talks. And I love his uh, the way he talks and the way he said it. And he's just got a great company and he had over three, he's got three over 300 coaches uh, working in his company all over the world in like 55 companies or 55 countries. And what they discovered is that it's really not the quality or the quantity of coaching, but in his perspective is it's really the, not how much time you spend, but the quality of it. 
And he says the most important time to coach someone is when you identify a challenging time or you identify a challenging issue. Mm-hmm. That's really the best time to to coach someone when you see something happening. I'll give you an example of that. Okay. Uh, this week I was working with a team and one of the managers talked about that. And while she was talking about uh, coaching with someone, uh, she said, I walked by an employee's office. She was really overwhelmed. I could tell she was stressed. So I went by and said, hey, what's happening? Uh, she finally relented and said, hey, I'm really overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And the manager said, well, what are some things that we can do to help you relieve that tension, You know, going to the coaching model? Anyway, a long story short, another employee was walking by, overheard it and says, hey, I've got some free time. I'll be happy to help you. And the two of them got together and really reduced the challenges that she felt. So really helped reduce her overwhelming fear of what's happening, was able to get the job done more effectively. And I just think that's a great example of, you know, just as Jerry Connor says in his book, the four greatest coaching conversations, it's not the quality of time, but it's really is, are you at the right moment and asking the right questions? And even he says, even the right questions are less important as do you recognize the challenges they're going through? And if you Ooh. recognize those challenges, you're going to be truly a great manager, a great coach. And so uh, I really look forward to having the folks listen to Jerry Connor next week talk about the four types of coaches, four types of coaching conversations that are had. A really, really powerful tool. So when we see 9%, we can't jump to the conclusion, oh, no, that's not enough. It could be quality enough time for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they didn't, you know, from the study, they didn't see a distinct difference between if you spend 36% of the time or 90% of the time. Uh, they said, really, they, they recognized that probably shorter or less time uh, is, is actually better, which is almost uh, uh, for HR professionals, oh, my God, you should be doing more than that. But that's, that's a really important question is, is how much time you should spend. And, and so I think less is maybe better as long as you're doing it at the right time and yeah. doing the right quality. But the people need to, when you're working with them, they need to know that they trust you, that there's a connection, that you want to see them succeed. And then you ask those questions when they truly are in a position where they need some help or need uh, some uh, some direction. Well, based on what you've said many times in this podcast, it seems as though if people view themselves as managers first and coaches second, then they're not going to have the quality. But you could spend 90 or 9% of your time developing as long as you viewed your number one job as developing those people. Yeah, I think that's really important. And right here in the study really indicates that that question. They said, I'm going to quote the article now, to get started, the researchers say, managers should focus less on frequency of development conversations with employees and more on the depth and the quality. Yeah. Do you really understand your employees' aspirations and the skills needed to develop in that direction? And that's really the question. Do you understand the employee's aspirations and skills? And are you putting them in the right spot in the right place? You know, going back to the good and great book by Jim Collins, you know, do you have the right people on the bus and, and they're on there and they're right skills? I think that really goes back to that. And the Jim Collins book doesn't tell you how to do that. He says that's important. But the real key factor is, do you know, you know, do you know the hopes, wishes and dreams and aspirations of your employees? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to a guy on a plane here a while back when you could actually fly. Back in and, the good old days. And, yeah, exactly. The good old days. And he said, uh, who would have thought that January of this year would be the good old days? But anyway, yeah. uh, he said when he hired a manager or he hired an, an employee, he didn't just hire them. He hand, hired all the hopes, wishes, dreams and aspirations yeah. of that and that man or that employee's family of his hopes, wishes and dreams. I mean, you you had so much riding on that person coming on your organization. I just think that's a great way to go about it and a really 
interesting way to look at that. So you're not just hiring that person, but you're hiring the hopes, wishes, dreams of that person, you know, how they go about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think that's a great one. So, and I think the final point here is in the the final sentence in the, in the article was for manager subordinates, the research should direct attention from the frequency of development conversations to the quality of development conversations and the route taken to help employees gain their skills. Roca, that was a author of it, said, the big takeaway is that when it comes to coaching employees, being a connector is how you win. And so they said of the four, they felt connector was was more powerful because okay. you actually bring the team together and you're you're talking about bringing people together and working together. And I just think that was a really interesting perspective. You can win with all of them, but if you can help employees improve their skills by connecting them with other employees in the team that have that skill that you want them to develop, that can be a great way to improve your skill sets as a manager and as a coach. Good uh, category so people can identify kind of where they are and then where they want to be. Maybe not, mm-hmm. folks. Don't beat yourself up if you are a teacher or a cheerleader or... Always on, on always the connector. On. Right. Just, just the next step is to do what I've done and listen to every single thing Rory says <laughs> and develop myself into a fabulous leader. It's that simple. It's that simple. Just listen to the podcast and you'll get much better at it. But I love that. You know, the four categories were the teacher manager. Uh, this person, te- you know, basically talks about the technical aspects of their skill. The always on manager. They're continually coaching, staying on top of employees. And really in the article, they almost referred to the always on manager as almost micromanaging. Yeah. The connector manager kind of, you know, takes more of a hands-off approach and connects people with other folks in the organization that can help them improve their skills, their task. And the cheerleader is always saying, you can do it. I believe in you. What do you need to learn next? And let's help you get that. But they had more of a hands-off approach. They said, go get them, Tiger. And by almost saying, go get them, Tiger, was realistic. They said, go get them, Tiger. I just think that's four indications. And so it might be a great way to people to say, what kind of manager am I? How do I coach my employees? You know, what do I want to do to improve or get better? But it's not the quality. It's not always the time or excuse me, that's not the quantity, but it's certainly the quality. Asking better questions, getting connected and then finding out uh, what their aspirations are and then helping them achieve those aspirations seem to be the best tools in how you go about it. So if people wanted very quality time of yours to help Mm -hmm. them become even better as a coach. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, That is a great question. I've had a couple of people get a hold of me this week through Coaching Manager University. And so it's coachingmanager.university. That's actually our 52 module online program. And if anyone's listening today, I will give the first person who responds today a free, uh, a free scholarship to Coaching Manager University. So that's, uh, one of the first things that we can do there is get that going. And uh, then also they can go to my website, RoryRoland.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-O-W-L-A-N-D, RoryRoland.com. And they can connect us with us that way and learn more about coaching. But I just love to see how this transforms organization, transforms teams, and makes an impact in the organization. But more importantly, improves the trajectory of your career as a manager helps Mm. you move up the corporate ranks because you've got a skill that most of your colleagues do not have. And when you improve that skill, you improve the trajectory of your career path. And I love that aspect of coaching. That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for this episode. We'll see you next time, Rory. Thanks. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. 
Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.